you 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 see all these people that are living their parents' dreams for them. Yeah. I didn't I didn't get any of that support, but what I got in exchange was freedom. Right. I don't, I look at my parents and I'm like I love y'all, but I don't owe, I don't owe you motherfuckers shit. Radio Mano Papachango. Simon Rex the other night uh, in his apartment playing with these floppy dildos that uh, Asa Kira sent him, big box of them. I don't know what the hell you're supposed to do with a floppy dildo. Uh, honestly, I don't. But we're playing with them, throwing them around. If you follow Simon on Instagram, you saw various skits that he's done with the floppy dildos. They're very impressive if you sort of hang them out your fly and walk into a room without announcing it. Wait for people to notice. It's great. Goes over really well at Thanksgiving with the in-laws. <clears throat> but that's all I could think to do with the floppy dildo. Anyway, we're playing with the floppy dildos, and one of them falls on his uh, coffee table. And um, when I go to pick it up, there's a book on the table called, it's just got a picture of a hummingbird on it. It's a little, little beautiful little book. And being the literary maven that I am, I pick it up. And I sort of glance through it and, and uh, read a couple lines, read the back uh, description, the cover, and uh, read a few lines. And it's intriguing. Read a few more lines, and uh, I'm sucked in, immediately sucked into the story. There's drugs. There's sex. There's a very unique voice, a unique writing style that's very direct and, and raw and uh, unselfconscious and... Uh, Simon says, oh, yeah, that's a uh, spoke hummingbird written by this friend of mine. It's really good. And I was like, oh, your friend wrote this. That is good. That's great. He says, yeah, he lives here in, in L.A. You should meet him sometime. He's a really interesting dude. I was like, yeah, all right. Yeah, I should, maybe I should have him on the podcast, talk about the book. He's like, yeah, yeah, definitely. So we go back to throwing the dildo around and bullshitting. And uh, five minutes later, Simon looks up from his phone and says, Okay, yeah, I just put you in touch with Jude. Uh, he's down to to be on your podcast. So, like, Simon is a is a he's a miracle worker. He can throw a floppy dildo while arranging an interview on his phone. That's a very talented young man there. Anyway, so that's how I got to meet Jude. I went over there the other day. Uh, I had no idea who he was. I thought he was just a friend of Simon's who wrote a book, and maybe I could help him out by giving him some exposure. It turns out the dude is way more famous than I am. He's got over 100,000 followers on Instagram. He's had a radio show on Sirius XM called The All Out Show for 15 years. Uh, he's been doing this whole L.A. fame thing a lot longer and a lot more uh, seriously than I have. <laughs> so in the end, I'm probably going to end up... Uh, benefiting more from this connection than he is but uh you know i went into it with the best of intentions i'm going to be on his show the sirius xm show in january i think we booked it for the 15th and it's going to be a call-in show so that'll be fun anyway uh i went over to his place and hung out with him i, I checked him out on youtube a little bit before i went over and, and had a sense of who he was 
He's a really interesting cat. Uh, talk straight from the heart. No bullshit. Uh, he's got his challenges, which he's very open about. Uh, we've all got our challenges. Some of us are open about it. Some of us pretend we don't. Uh, but uh, he's an honest dude. Uh, very clear about where he's coming from, what he wants in life, what's valuable, what isn't. So... I really enjoyed this conversation. The, his book's called Hummingbird. Uh, after you hear the conversation, you can decide whether it's something you think you want to read or not. It is not for the squeamish. And I haven't read Hyena, his first book, but uh, from what he said about it, I would imagine that's not either. Um, yeah, if you like Charles Bukowski, uh, Henry Miller, this sort of uh, un... I don't want to say unedited because it's very well written and it's obviously edited, but artistically, it's not edited for content. It's not cleaned up. It's not sanitized. I think that's the word I'm looking for, sanitized. Uh, this is the real shit. This is uh, somebody who writes the way he talks, which is something we, we got into this discussion about people who go to school to learn how to write. And as you'll hear, he decided he wanted to write just, yeah, I don't know. I, people who write books get respect. I, I want some respect. I'm going to write a fucking book. And so he did. And it's good. He's really good. He's got a voice, as he says. And he's right. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. Before I get into that, though, a few things uh, I wanted to tell you about. First of all, I just watched a film uh, called Chasing Bubbles on YouTube. It's on YouTube and Vimeo. Highly, highly recommend it. Uh, somebody sent me an email saying, hey, I think you dig this. Somebody who listens to this podcast, I think you dig this movie. And, you know, I get a lot of those sorts of, of emails and I'm grateful for people who send me stuff. Hey, you should read this paper. You know, I think this book is up your alley. This sounds like what you're doing with Civilized to Death. You should check this out. You should check that out. But the the honest truth is the volume of those things is just so overwhelming that if I looked at even half of the things that people are sending to me, I wouldn't do anything else. So uh, I I'm, I don't look at most of them, to be honest with you. Uh, this one, the, the email was very thoughtful and um, made me think that this person had really thought it through before he sent me the email. So I opened the link and uh, I thought, well, I'll watch the first five minutes or something and it'll it'll be some amateurish, well-intentioned thing. And I'll I'll watch five minutes and say, hey, you look cool and whatever. Um, I sat here and watched the whole thing straight through. And then it took me about probably 10 minutes before I could even get off the sofa after it was over. I watched all the credits and watch the credits if you watch it because the... Um, there's some outtakes that are pretty interesting uh, to say that I found it moving and touching and um, just fucking beautiful is an understatement. It's it's about a guy who just fucking goes for it. He decides he wants to sail around the world. He buys a sailboat and he fucking takes off. And he doesn't think about the fact that he doesn't know how to sail that the sailboat is falling apart, that he's, you know, completely unprepared, doesn't fucking know how to read the maps, doesn't have any idea what he's doing. So it's, 
it's kind of a, a film about ignorance and the uh, the sort of the grandeur of youthful ignorance when it works out. Uh, it's about risk. It's about a lust for life. It's about a young man trying to find his place in the world and the people around him and how the world he creates, I guess, while he's trying to explore the one he's in. It's it's a very beautiful film, Chasing Bubbles, highly recommended. Uh, what else did I want to say? I've got notes around here somewhere. Oh, by the way, this, I don't, I don't know if I even mentioned, Jude Angelini is the name of the guy that I'm, is in this episode. I talked, I think I talked a lot about him, but I didn't say his name. Jude Angelini, he's the author of Hummingbird and Hyena. Uh, update on Casilda. She's still in Peru. She uh, was in Iquito or near Iquitos at um, a, a place called the Temple of the Way of Light, studying plant medicines there for three weeks. Had a great time. Now she's at a place near uh, Pucallpa, uh, continuing her study. Some of you have uh, dropped us uh, some contact information of people you know down there. A few people who were in Peru at the time actually met with her. Um, so thank you for that. Uh, she's having a great time learning a lot. Uh, it's beautiful, beautiful time in her life. If she finds an interesting thing to do for the next month or so from mid December to mid January, she's probably going to stay down there. Um, so if anyone knows of uh, a center where she would, uh, where she could volunteer and that would be interesting, there's things she can learn, um, get in touch. I'll probably go down in mid-January and spend a couple of weeks down there and uh, do some podcasts and travel around. I've never been to Peru, so maybe I'll take a little break and head down there and hang out with her. I am going to be releasing more podcasts than usual in the next few weeks because they've just been piling up, and I'm feeling bad for the people who've been waiting forever. Um, there are new ones, like this one I just recorded a couple of days ago that I'm releasing right away because... People have books out and they're trying to build buzz and get publicity. So I want to throw them up uh, as soon as I can. Um, but meanwhile, the people who have been languishing for weeks or months, I, I, I don't want them to wait any longer. So I'm just going to be releasing probably two a week, maybe three a week, <clears throat> as, as many as I can get to uh, putting together. So uh, if you enjoy this, that's something to look forward to. Speaking of podcasts, I've been listening to the Malcolm Gladwell podcast. I think it's called Revisited History or something like that. Um, you can find it on iTunes. I've listened to two episodes that are really good. One is about golf and golf clubs and what a fucking scam they are, especially in Los Angeles, a city with virtually no parks. These um, These golf clubs... It's just the way it always fucking works, man. These rich white dudes, they got all these uh, tax, special tax situations so that basically these exclusive, beautiful pieces of property and Brentwood and, you know, all over the city um, where where you as a normal person are not even allowed to walk in there are totally subsidized to the tune of billions of dollars by the taxpayers of Los Angeles. So if you live in Los Angeles, you're paying for those rich fuckers to have their golf club, but you can't even go in there. 
Think about that. That's, that's a metaphor for a lot of shit right there. And the, the other episode I listened to today when I was taking my walk out here in the mountains was uh, about Wilt Chamberlain, uh, the great basketball player. And, but it's not really about basketball. Basketball's a, a metaphor. There's a way of taking a foul shot that's far more accurate and yet virtually nobody uses it because it it feels weird to them. So there are all these basketball players like Sha- Shaquille O'Neal who are horrible foul shooters, but they would rather miss all those shots than shoot like uh, it's between the legs. You hold the ball between your legs and you flip it up underhanded. Much more likely to go in, um, but people don't do it because of strange uh, cultural stuff. So it's the kind of thing Malcolm Gladwell does really well. Now, here's the other thing that struck me about that podcast with Malcolm Gladwell. Here's a guy who's probably written, I don't know, seven, eight New York Times bestsellers. He Every book he writes is an automatic bestseller. Uh, he's a staff writer for The New Yorker. I think it's fair to say Malcolm Gladwell is not short on cash, right? He's probably pulling down uh, between half a million and a million easy per year. And yet every one of his fucking podcasts begins with him reading an ad. The ones I've heard recently are for Charles Schwab. Are your investments doing as well as they could be? If not, you should call Charles Schwab. And, and it's just like, dude, you don't need the money. You don't need that money. Why are you doing that? I think it it's like, People who take those foul shots the wrong way. It's like, you don't need to be doing it that way. Anyway, if you get annoyed by the fact that every, advertisements are fucking everywhere, including places where the financial incentives don't even really matter, like a fucking Malcolm Gladwell podcast or Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin does a podcast. This guy's got one Oscars. He's, you know, rolling in money and he's like selling fucking mattresses and shit. Anyway, so if you value a place where no one's trying to sell you fucking anything except the thing that you're listening to, I hope you'll support the podcast. <laughs> it's very meta. I know this is an ad. I know this is essentially a fucking ad, but at least it's it's an ad for me. It's an ad for this, where we are. It's not an ad for some other thing. It's not me using my voice in whatever sort of instinctive trust you've built up for me because you have some affection or belief in my voice, not using that to try to leverage it against you to sell you some shit that I don't give a fuck about just because they pay me some money. I'm not going to do that to you ever. And I'm leaving thousands of dollars a month on the table, but fuck it. And I don't mean that like you should be grateful to me. I'm not doing it because I'm not doing it because I hate that shit. Um, so if you hate that shit, I hope you'll support the podcast either through Patreon or, uh, you know, just donations. Some people just send me a PayPal donation to the podcast, which is fantastic. They don't want to go through Patreon and all that. Or the other way is through um, 
well, not really supporting the podcast. But if you happen to buy stuff on Amazon, there is an Amazon affiliate link on my website, which I believe now works for people who live in the UK and Canada as well. So if you're in the US, the UK or Canada and you buy things through Amazon, if you go through my affiliate link uh, at my page, chrisryanphd.com, some of that money uh, ends up in my hands and I will not use it for the podcast. I use it strictly for ketamine and helicopter rides. <clears throat> I'm just saying because Amazon does not want to uh, want you to think that they support this podcast. They do not. Their money only goes to ketamine and helicopter rides sometime together, which makes for a very interesting helicopter ride. All right, that's enough for me. I'm going to play you out with a tune I think I've played once before on the podcast, but I'm going to play it again because, you know, it's not like you listen to these podcasts one after another and you get bored with the same song, right? This is a song called Fast Train. It's by a band out of Denver uh, or thereabouts known as Gasoline Lollipops. I gotta say, I don't love the name Gasoline Lollipops. Uh, but I love this tune. It's called Fast Train. And if you listen to the lyrics, you'll hear there's a lot going on there. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Jude Angelini. And I hope that you'll uh, consider picking up one of his books, Hummingbird and Hyena. Thanks for listening to this shit. Bye.
Feliz. Yeah. Do you want me to shut them doors? That sounds all right. All right. Yeah, it sounds all right. Uh, yeah, I'm in um, Los. F- How do you say it here? Los Feliz? Because I, I say I, Los Feliz. Los Feliz. See, I, I lived in Spain for most of my life, so I hear it in Spanish. Yeah. Where it would be Los Feliz, the happy, the happy ones. And y'all do the. Th- yeah. Yeah. In Spain. Um, uh, with Jude, and, what's your last name? Angel, Angelini. Angelini. Yeah. Uh, I was checking you out this morning online. I, I yeah. mentioned before we turned the mics on, and uh, I saw some of your uh, YouTube stuff. <laughs> and I saw, I, I heard your radio dispute with uh, what's his name, the boxer, Floyd Mayweather, Floyd Mayweather oh, that, yeah, called it me, and lost his shit with you. That was incredible. That made me famous for a while. Yeah, I'll bet. You know what? That made me write my book, bro. Really? Well, yeah, because I got cussed out by my bosses for that. For that, I would think they'd be thrilled. You're one of the most famous people in the world, like spending half an hour yelling at you. That was great. Well, he was friends with he was friends with owners of the station. He was friends with Fifty Cent at Fifty Cent at the time. Right. And 50 Cent was on Eminem's label, and people were like, what are you doing? You're putting us in a tough situation where I was basically the help. You know, like, right. what are you doing? The help is mouthing off at dinner. Like, know your place. <laughs> I thought your place was to bring attention to your show. I mean, that would have been... I was put in a real tough spot because... And I you said, were respectful. Well, that's what... That I, probably, I probably should behave like I'm going to lose my job every fucking time I deal with somebody. I, I might be more respectful. Well, you were respectful, yeah. though. Like, he was bringing up all the... You know, he's like, I know you're not black. And you're like, why are you bringing up race, man? Like, you know, know. you were just saying he was ducking fights. I didn't, I didn't see the problem. That's yeah. the kind of shit Rogan would say any time. Of course, Rogan's not working for anybody. Yeah, so. and Rogan... Ro- that's the... There's different levels of freedom. You have a certain freedom that I don't have, but with that freedom comes responsibility. Mm-hmm. You you uh, you eat what you kill. Right. I'm taken care of by Sirius XM. Right. So like yeah. I yeah. have the luxury to, to today. I, I'm, today's a paid vacation while I'm right. talking to you. Right. But you know I got there's certain things like you just can't talk about. Huh. So yeah. It's the it's the trade off. Yeah. Yeah. How long you been working with them? 13, shit, 13 years. Oh, really? Yeah. It's a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the thing. It was like, yo, you do so well on a Floyd Mayweather argument. I said he was ducking, and then he fought He fought Pacquiao like five years later. So I, yeah. I wasn't wrong. And the fight was boring. And it was a boring, yeah, it was, a, <laughs> it was an awful fight. <laughs> I mean, you said shit. I'm, I'm not a huge right, right. boxing fan, but you said shit that I think everybody thinks. Yeah. You said it respectfully, but you, you know. You're not you're not Muhammad Ali, right, right. and you're not. No, nope. Muhammad Ali's fights were always exciting. Yeah, he was an action fighter. 
and he was really, and he fought people at their prime. The, the weird thing with boxing, with a lot of things, is shit gets so bad that the people in charge of covering the shit have to prop up the bullshit to justify their jobs, and right. that's boxing, you know what I mean? Right. Like, when Floyd Mayweather is your number one attraction, like, that yeah. says less about how good Mayweather is and more about how bad the sport has become. Right. Even, like, what's his nickname? Moneymaker? Money Mayweather, yeah. Money May, yeah. Like, who gives a shit, man? Yeah. Yeah. Smart though, man. He's like, yo, him, like him, yo, he's, he trolled his way to a billion dollars, you know? Like, yeah. fucking, like, what am I, I, his business acumen is out of control, but he's a fucking moron. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny how people can be so smart in one area and, and not in others. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure there's some holes in your game. There's, there's definitely oh, yeah. some holes in mine. <laughs> yeah, there are fucking a lot of holes in my game. Like business, forget about business, man. I, I yeah. can't hardly, oh, man, I'm, I'm a disaster with money. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm the worst, too. Um, like, my sister, I probably, you know, like, I probably make four times what she makes, and I guarantee our, our savings account looks the same. Yeah. Because I'm just awful with fucking money. I yeah. can buy shit. Yeah. Like, you're in my house. Look at all this shit. <laughs> it doesn't look so bad. It's because my looks... mom was here and cleaned it. <laughs> <laughs> I was literally and, and holding you a, off. You had a booty call not long ago, so you had to clean up a little bit. I did. It smelled yeah. like weed still. I, yeah. It was really hard having sex because I had like this, like I already don't like day sex because you're thinking about everything you got to do for the rest of the day. And then I had the pressure of finishing before you got here. Oh, dude, you could have told me. You could have just said, you no, know, no way, dude. Wait till you see me walk out. I'm, I'm, yeah, no. I value, I value this I'm time. Fine. Like, I appreciate, like, the, the, I could have interviewed you in bed with her. You could have been like, all right, we're done. Come on in. And I would have just sat next to the bed like a nurse, you know? That would have been, yo, I, that could have been dope. Yeah, I would have brought you some coffee and. She could have critiqued me how my dick wouldn't stay hard. Because, <laughs> you know, I was in the oh, living room. Oh, my fucking God. It wouldn't see, oh, man. Like, there's been some times where you're just like mid stroke, like, oh, buddy, this is going poorly. <laughs> like, what do we do here? Yeah, yeah. Do you have a nickname for your dick? No. Just my, oh, yeah, I call it. Uh, uh, I call it. Um, I just say it's it's, uh, it's it's pink like the sunset. <laughs> like, come look at this sunset, bro. Sunset, yeah, yeah. That pink dick. Yeah. Well. Do you have a nickname for yours? Oh, uh, I've had a few of them. Yeah. I mean, no, normally it's the woman who gives the name. You know. It is a bit presumptuous to be like, this is the Nick, you know what I mean? Right, yeah. You really have to bring the funk if, you, yeah. if, you, if, you're, naming, <laughs> if you're naming the dick, you know what I mean? And Girth Brooks yeah. was my favorite. <laughs> that's pretty, yo, that's pretty good. And it's descriptive. You, you, you painted a picture for me already. <laughs> the hat, you, gotta, you know, yeah, you yeah, gotta yeah. have a hat. Yeah, yeah. Girth Brooks in the hat. Oh, <laughs> uh, shit. You know, I'm an AVN award winner. I don't know if you knew that about me. How did you do that? Yeah. Were you... I, what? Who the fuck am I? That's, yeah. that's what you want to ask me. Yeah. yeah. Well, I wrote that book that I gave you, right, with my wife, co-authored with my wife. The ill shit about this was I, you, I was trying to, I've been trying to book you, and I yeah. passed this off to my, I passed this book off to my producer uh, a year ago. Hmm. Well, and, who? I mean, maybe, we are. maybe he did reach out to me. I don't know. I could have said. Fuck off, I never heard of a guy named Jude. Quite possible. Quite possible, because honestly, I hadn't heard of you until the other day I was at Simon's place, and our mutual friend Simon Rex, and mm -hmm. uh, we were hanging out, 
Have you seen all those floppy dildos he has? I've never been to his home. Oh, yeah. He got he he got a box of sex toys yeah. from this porn star, uh, Asa Akira, who's a friend of his, who then I had on the podcast. She's my homie, too. She's, oh, you know she's her? She's great. Asa's oh, great. I love her. Yeah, yeah. she's so cool. Uh, and she sent him all these floppy dildos. I don't know what you're supposed to do with them. They're so floppy, you couldn't possibly get them in an orifice. Right, so right. I don't know what they're for. But anyway, we're playing with these things. And one of them falls on the table, and I look on the table, and there's this little book called Hummingbird. Yeah. And I just pick it up, because I always pick up books, and I read the back, and I'm like, oh, Bukowski, that's interesting. And I read a few random pages, and I was like, what the fuck is this? This is really interesting, man. He's like, oh, it's my homeboy. You should talk to him. He's great. And so while we were playing with these dildos, I guess he texted you. Yeah. Because 10 minutes later, he's like, hey, yeah, he's happy to meet with you. So this whole thing just came up because a floppy dildo fell on the table. It's, it's, I wish that was the first time. <laughs> I wish that was the first time. It's another another name for my dick. Floppy dildo. That's what that was me today, dude. Oh, my God. Mushing that thing in. <laughs> oh, come on. You got to represent... Yeah, the, I really the pink do. Dick boys, especially, you know? especially you know, she was Mexican. Like I, I might have been their first white boy. Like oh, so, no. so it's not like I'm not just fucking for me. I'm fucking for you're white the, dudes. The entire yeah, yeah. the clan. You, I'm representing. Yeah, I'm representing. What my wife? My wife's from Africa, and we were watching this uh, the Coen Brothers movie. Oh, brother, where art thou? Yeah. So English is her seventh language, right? She speaks English pretty well, right. but there's some holes in it. Yeah. And we're in a cinema, and there's that scene where they come over the hill, and there's the Klan rally, the yeah. you know burning crosses and all that shit. And she leans over to me, and she says, "Is that the Couscous Klan?" <laughs> yeah, they, they, they yeah, love couscous. They love it. They Tuesdays love, they have yeah. tagine yeah. Yeah. and the Moroccan food. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I won the AVN award because a buddy of mine made a porn movie that. Um, was sort of like one of the, it was like a high budget porn movie that was trying to be like a real movie. Yeah. And um, with, you know, character development and the storyline. It's an interesting film. And so part of the storyline is the the main woman who's played by India Summers. I'm not familiar, but. She, um, you Google her later. Okay. Uh, she, uh, is a documentary filmmaker and she interviews me and my wife about the book. So she's like interviewing people who have written books about sex because right. her sex life is going through all these changes. Yeah. So it's like a movie inside a movie. So That's I played myself essentially and I fucking won an AVN award. I've got it's like the only trophy I own. What what was it for? Best non-sex performance. Well done, sir. <laughs> well fucking done. It's it's like it's like winning and losing at the same time, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's like best non-runner in yeah. the marathon. Yeah, straight like, up. And yeah. your only award ever. So exactly. it's like the double negative. <laughs> exactly. exactly. I really liked your book. I liked the premise of it. Just that like kind of what we're built for and it right. and it helps when 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 you can when you can come to terms with your reality it makes it a lot easier dealing with the day-to-day -day things you know like if like if it's in my like there's no judgment if i'm like with a girl and i want to fuck another girl like mm -hmm. i'm not beating myself up anymore it's like oh this is like i'm programmed for this yeah and it shifts the focus from what you think and feel to what you do 
Exactly. Which well, is what it should be. And you don't have to act out on these things, but at least exactly. you know, like, okay, I'm programmed to want to fucking fuck right now. I'm programmed to want to stray. And then we can have we can have a conversation based on that, or I can keep that shit to my fucking self, which right. is probably better. And then, right. Well, and so is she. Yeah. You know, that's the other thing. So hopefully it leads to some compassion and understanding when you're talking stuff out because it's... Yo, dude, you know, I don't know. Like, so how, many guys think it's like only guys who want to be with other people. No. Like, come on, talk, get a woman honest with you and then you find the real shit. Bro, dude, psh, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I get to, I get to experience it firsthand. Like, uh, one, I, I get like... I get so many nudes from married women on Instagram hmm. where it's like they're sending me pictures of pussy and their titties and I'm like damn she's bad and I click on her shit and like three three pictures in it's uh, you know they're holding the baby and her man is next to her with the Christmas sweater on <laughs> and I'm fucking like it shatters me dude I'm like fuck man they're happy on the outside like what the fuck and she's over here sending me pictures of her fucking pussy you yeah. know like you got that. Well, but maybe she is happy, and she just wants to send you pictures of her pussy. I could fuck if I, I mean, wanted to. Yeah, I mean, they're, but like, they're not mutually exclusive, right? They, yeah, they. It's th that's the truth. But I guess it's that whole idea. And I grew up with uh, one of my biggest fears is like getting cheated on because I grew up with my mom just taking me around with her. Uh, the the. At the time of the divorce, my sister got to go to school, and I was stuck with my with my parents in the most uh, uh, tumultuous tumultuous time of the fucking divorce. So, like, my mom's taking me with her to go cheat on a regular basis. Uh -huh. It shattered. Like, it's, how old were you? I was four. Uh -huh. I was four, so I was old enough to kind of know and not know, and then I would be yeah. questioned, and then there would be fights. I'd be questioned by You're my father, like, what have you, what have you been doing today? Oh, we right. went and hung out with Chris. Oh, you hung out with Chris? Chris wasn't in school? No, da-da-da, where'd you go? Blah, blah, blah. And the next thing you know, there's this big fight. The cops are here, mm. and, like, it kind of, you know, it shakes your whole idea of trust. Uh, so, like, me getting cheated on, like, is fucking something that I avoid at all costs and thus I'm 40 having 11 in the morning booty calls trying to fucking get her off and me off before Chris gets here. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll talk after after we're, we turn off this machine. Yeah. We'll we'll talk about better ways to handle that situation. <laughs> more horny horny goat weed. It's the only thing I can think of. Exactly. I needed more horny goat weed. Well, have you ever been cheated on that you know of? No, that's a funny thing. I'm that's mm. the that's the crazy shit. I've, mm. That I know of, I've never been cheated on. So, have you cheated on women? I'm bad at that too because I will just break up before I'll cheat. Yeah. I'll break up before I cheat and then I'll get back and what you end up having is a five year relationship where you break up for a month or two right. at a time and it creates a scar tissue that makes it incredibly hard to get past and perhaps, you know, in hindsight, perhaps just cheating and keeping it to myself would have mm. been a would have been more productive than that. Would it have been the most productive? I don't think so, but like what are you trying to produce? Uh, a long-lasting relationship. Mm. You want that? <sighs> that's, a, that's a funny, I don't know, I guess. You know, it's one of those deals, it's like, I want, my main goal right now is success, and my second, my second priority is a relationship. What's success? 
financial success and to get my art out there. Mainly the writing, or do you do other stuff? Well, I do a radio show, which is successful. But I think writing, I, I think writing is a bit, is a bit. It's a different kind of an important. Like I'm getting, I'm getting people that don't read books to read books, and I think that's important. I can understand that. I looked at your Amazon thing; it's selling really well. Hummingbird. It's, it's weird. It's selling well, but it's selling. It's in this very small like if you look at the reviews it's all my people i'm selling to my people it's right. it's not it's not growing out fast enough huh. it's not it's it's not like a reader grabbed my book and was like this is a good book and he tells four other readers about it it's but like, if you get a brush fire going it yeah. can spread pretty fast you know it just needs a right it just it needs a couple of the right spots to pick it up and yeah. push it you know yeah. it's, it's amazing what a tastemaker will do yeah although it's I mean as I said I only sort of glanced through it so I I'm no expert on the book I haven't read the whole thing yet but it seems to me that it's it's not a it's not the kind of book that Terry Gross is gonna have you on fresh air you which know. is which is frustrating, you know. Well, she wouldn't even have me on. She's Are you so, fucking kidding me? No, no. She's so. From what I was told by the people in the publishing world, because I would have thought, you know, I'd this be a natural same, for fresh air. Th yeah, this seems perfect for fresh. Nothing with sex. She's very middle of the road. Very. And the reason she came to mind is I was sitting out here listening to a podcast right, right. with of her. I love her. I think she's a great interviewer. I think she's awesome too. Yeah, but she's she's such a good girl, man. She doesn't want to interview somebody who's talking about, you know snorting drugs and ass fucking you know that's know. just not going to happen she doesn't even do she does none of those interviews in person you know they're she all done the phone, remotely right? yeah huh. yeah it's interesting it is but it's unfortunate because it's like on the side note like it's yo whether you like me or not like here's what here's what the hood's buying here's what blue collar workers are buying right the people that you fetishize so much here's yeah. what they're here's what they're into right. find out why well, I saw one of the reviews on your Amazon thing. It was funny. It said, they're all five, five stars, by the way. They're, and there are hundreds of reviews, and they're yeah. all five stars. Like, fantastic. Uh, and one of the reviews was, I love this book, and I don't even know how to read. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, man. I mean, that's pretty good. I don't know if they got the audio book or what. You, you uh, did the audio book, Yeah, right? I did do the audio yeah. book, yeah. Well, that's good. You have, I mean, your voice is so distinctive for someone else to, to, to do it would have sucked. To, is yours on audiobook? It is, but they wouldn't let me do it. What? Yeah. yeah. You got a good voice. Well, I, I, I told, and I had done like radio shit before, and I told them, and I was like, I'll do it for free. Like, for, and they're like, no, no, we have actors, you know, we have professionals. And so they let me do the preface. There's a uh -huh. thing at the beginning where I get attacked by a monkey. Yeah. They let me go to the studio and do that. Um, but then the rest of it, they had these um, these actors, and I swear, I mean, the actors sound like fucking Siri. They, they're like computer generated voices. It's right. really weird, especially when you know how it's supposed to sound in your. And fucking there's head. jokes and shit, and yeah, they, yeah. And they, 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 they miss step them. all over the jokes, you know. So yeah, any other books, any other audio books, I'm gonna insist on reading it. Like even if the if Audible won't give me the contract, fuck it, I'll just record it myself and release it through my website. You and know? you know how you do it? Like I figured out the workaround. So you fucking you drop the audio book first, and you drop it as spoken word. Hmm. And then that way you can get to iTunes. Because so you drop it like as a podcast. Kind you of? drop it as you drop it as a spoken word piece. 
So like, let's say you write your next book, release it audio book first and release it as spoken word. Hmm. Once there's a once there's a copy of it, that's when Audible has their first, that, like that's when it's like, they, everyone starts taking giant chunks off of your shit. Right. If you wanna release it on the, on, the, on the broadest platform first, you release it as a spoken word project. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I found that out the hard way, you hmm. know, but. Yeah. Uh, Audible's better than a publisher, though. They give you, I think it's like 25% cut. I don't even know what I'm getting, bro. Yeah. Like, I'm like that's how bad I am at business, bro. Like, yeah. I don't know what I'm getting. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> they gave me some fucking shitty advance. I just want to get it out there. Yeah. I just want to get it out there. Like, So Hummingbird's your second book? Yeah. And Hyena's the first Hyena's one. Hyena's the first one. It's about fucking your way out of a... It's like fucking... It's about fucking your way out of a breakup. It's just trying to fuck your way, fuck the pain away. And then, and it also talked about, you know, it's funny and shit and it's dark, but it also talked about like how we learned how to, um, we learned about sexuality where I'm from. Where are you from? I'm from outside of, uh, I'm from, there's, I'm from North Oakland County, or I'm from Oakland County, which is one of the richest counties in America. And then I'm from a factory town called Pontiac. Michigan. Yep. Uh huh. So it's like it was like this working. I come from this working class, working class, low class neighborhood. No fathers. A lot of a lot of welfare. Uh, and yeah, a lot of you know, no fathers. Like a lot of welfare. Hmm. Um, uh, it was government housing. So and it wasn't necessarily a very dangerous neighborhood. It was just kind of like we're just kind of. We're just we're trashy. A lot of rednecks, a lot of black people, uh, touching Mexicans, and the way, uh, the way a lot of us uh, viewed, we learned how to treat women from our mothers who would get dogged. Like you're watching your mom get dogged, not standing up for herself. Mm-hmm. So all right, that's you know the the fathers aren't around. Right. The women are like, and it's all, it was all about, it was all these power plays. It was like, what can I get out of you? It was like, let me fuck some shoes out of you. Hmm. And then the girls doing the same thing. Yeah. And like, and, and women are putting babies on other, like there's, I can think of three dudes off the top of my head who are raising kids that aren't their fucking kids. You know, like. That you know and they don't? Yeah. Right. It's grimy. It's fucking grimy. Yeah, I had a, my first really serious girlfriend was Puerto Rican. Yeah. And uh, I met her in college. She was there on a full scholarship. She was from the South Bronx and kind of that kind of a scene, you know. And I remember at one point, um, I met her mother and her mother pretended she didn't speak English. She did, she spoke English, but she pretended she didn't when I was there. So she didn't have to deal with me. Yeah. Nobody liked the white boy around. And I I said to Anna, like, what's up with your mother? And she's like, well, my mother thinks I'm crazy uh, for having sex with you without getting anything out of it. And I was like, what do you mean? I get it. She's like, well, she said, if I'm not getting money, I should at least get a toaster. <laughs> a fucking toaster. <laughs> like, and she was good in bed. I'd, right, I'd right. give her a fucking toaster, you know, but it was just that mentality. Like, yeah, mom thinks, you know, I'm just giving this away. It's you know. fucking, yo, the funniest shit is there's literally a story in Hyena 
about my homeboy and I. We go over to fuck the he, you know, he fucks this ugly white girl. Like just, just, you know, she's the fucking pits. I can tell better because I'm white. You know, like, you know, like your eye, like a white dude can tell if a white broad's uglier. You know what I mean? Like you know, you like it's just different. So your your homeboy's black. Yeah, he's he's a brother. So, his, so black guys looking at white women, it's a different thing. Yes, yeah, yeah. and we all do. Like I'm yeah. sure, like I'm yeah. fucking I'm fucking Mexican chicks that Mexican dudes are like, eh, I don't know about her. You know what I mean? Like so it's a, so we go over yeah. there same deal he fucks her and I'm, I end up getting my I end up getting my dick sucked from the cousin and he he uh, he went over to get some money out of her and she didn't have any money because she had to put it on the light bill or some shit and that motherfucker took her toaster really yeah he fucked her for a toaster so, like see so he's getting this so it's always the white person who pays it's that's oppression. Right well, there. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I used to run some game too. I used to get it out of black chicks. Like you got, you, it's don't let your don't let the color of your skin stop you from getting a toaster. <laughs> it's will. It's I don't about even will. like toast, man. <laughs> it's bagels. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. It's funny how uh, yeah certain certain people were were taught to commodi- commodify sex. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it's strange. I, I mean, it, obviously, on a macro level, we look at it in a certain way, and, and you know, it's unfortunate and all that. But then on a micro level, there are there's an eroticism to those sorts of power. Plays. I love that shit. Yeah, like every now and then, like I'll I'll be like, like girl, be all like. You know, I want to give her a hundred dollars for a blowjob. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that sounds like fun. Right. Like there's there's something in the degradation, the mutual degradation. Like look at me, I'm disgusting. I'm paying you for for something. Like I'm not even good enough for you to want to do this for free. And look right. at you, you're fucking, you're renting your fucking hole out to me. <laughs> like I like that. It turns me on. Like mm, yeah, I got yeah. issues. Yeah. Well, hey, don't we all? Do exactly. Ever, I mean, one of the things you know this this book. I, this book came out in 2010. I've been given a lot of talk and you know uh, I've sort of become I don't know people think of me as uh, oh a friend of mine called me the shame exorcist like I I love your TED talk dude oh thank you it's fucking awesome that well that was contentious I got was in all it? sorts of trouble, but yeah. Wait, yeah. why? Ah, uh, that's a long story. Okay. And they, they made me take a slide out the day before, and it was the best slide. But it was a slide of a buddy of mine. People have heard this a million so, times. I'm sorry, guys. No, no, real quick. Gotta catch me up. Fucking. <laughs> <laughs> so there was this, uh, you know, the first part of the talk is all sort of like science and yeah. you know, blah, blah, blah. And then the second part is more anthropological and right. how does this apply to people. And so the pivot slide was three images. In the upper left was um, a gorilla lying mm-hmm. on his back uh, with his legs open in the sun. And you can see this, he's got tiny this little tiny dick. little dick and no yeah. balls. And in the upper right is a bonobo sitting there with big balls like goose eggs. Right. And in the middle is this buddy of mine in a hammock wearing a Speedo. <laughs> and he's got pretty big balls, right? And the point was to say the human's balls are sort of intermediate between yeah. these things that I've been talking about with right. you know, vo- volume of testicular stuff. And, all. and um, it was labeled Gorilla Bonobo Italian. That's funny. It's funny as fuck. And I've given that talk a hundred times. Everybody always laughs when that slide comes up. And my buddy looks very Italian, yeah, too. Yeah, I'm right? fucking Italian. I find that very funny. Well, they got, they were like, we think Italians will be offended. Oh, my God. And I said to them, like, wait a minute. First of all, you guys have seen this presentation three times. Right. We've done all these re- rehearsals. Secondly, 
You tell an Italian he has big balls, that's a compliment. Right. No Italian will ever be offended by that. Right. Like, well, we think it's a little broad for our audience. Oh, so, my God. So I, I got really pissed off. Well, first thing that happened was I go backstage to the tech guys, right, who run all the slides. Yeah, and yeah. they've got the headphones. And I was like, you guys heard that? And they're like, yeah, man. And one guy says, dude, you're getting silvermint. I was like, what? He's like, yes. So they did this to Sarah Silverman. So, and then I, I looked it up. Sarah Silverman, they invited her on, and you know who, you know, yeah. so her humor's Yeah, it's raunchy racial and raunchy, yeah. yeah. So she did this bit about how she loves babies, but she doesn't like teenagers, so she decided she was going to adopt babies with terminal illnesses, right? <laughs> <laughs> and people got offended. Right. And then the head of TED, this guy Chris Anderson, tweeted that he was offended as well and he understand as if he didn't know like yeah we know yeah he, they know exactly what she was doing they'd seen it so but he pretended so he threw her under the bus and so these guys are like yeah they're doing that to you man they're just fucking you over at the last minute it's so funny how like intellectuals have the hardest time with context you know what i mean it's like yo, you're so fucking smart but you have trigger words like you can't even or yeah. you have these trigger images it's like everything yeah. is contextual well, it's all about brand, you know? With, with them? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's all about protecting their brand, you know? Yes. And they, if they offend anyone, it's a big... Yeah. Anyway, so but, I went out the next day yeah. in front of the world, right, uh -huh. to do the TED Talk, and I went totally off script. Right. And I actually said, I'm going to make Chris Anderson very nervous by going off script. And I looked at him there in the front row, and I did. I just... And he was just like, fuck, this is out of... You know, because they want yep. everything... They want you to rehearse it to the second. You know exactly. Oh You've rehearsed it so many times, you can do it in your sleep. That's not my style. No, dude. No, no. So I just went like, eh, I know I'm not coming back, so I'm gonna have fun. But how do we how do we reach truth without with and worry about offending people at the same time? Like how can how can we have a a, a real discussion about real topics and and worrying about uh, Worrying about offending somebody. Right. Like, yo, dude, like, someone's gonna get offended by some shit. Like, yeah. if you look at every progressive fucking thing that have, has gotten passed, there's been a group of people that are deeply offended by it. From fucking the ending of slavery to fucking gay marriage, there was yeah. somebody who was like, whoa, hold on a second. Yeah. And it was the, it was like, they were, they were the smart people. You know right. what I mean? Like, right. Well, and it's always, if you look at the progression of history that way, in terms of the progressive advances, it, it's always the, 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 the things that we look back on and say that was a good move are always the things where we say, you've got the right to do it, even if it bothers other people. They don't have the right to stop you from yes. doing something yes. that doesn't affect them, right? Yeah. And so if I say whatever fucking word I want to say, if I use the word nigger, then, uh, you know... I'm not, it's not reaching out into the black community and hurting them that I use that word. And especially if they know who I am and they know I'm married to a woman from Africa and my sister, even, even, you know, whatever. Uh, even away from that, yeah. yeah. But it's like, if you're not, like you said, context, you're using it in a, an aggressive, nasty way. Are you, you calling somebody? Yeah. Are you right. calling you somebody calling that? Somebody? Are you telling a story? Exactly. Like there's a, there's a million different ways. Yeah. And we've gotten to this point where it's like, if you say that, I'm offended, and right. then I get to, and it's a, to me, it's a control issue. And also, if you're a racist, you're a racist. Even if we train you not to use that word, it's like I train a dog not to, uh, 
not to, uh, you know, sniff my ass, it doesn't mean the dog isn't still wanting to sniff my ass. Yeah, yeah, you it's know? not, you're not changing, you're not changing, you're not, you're not changing thought. And as a matter of fact, we're getting further away from it because now we can't have a dialogue. Right, anymore. now it's hidden under the carpet and fuck that. Yo, yeah. dude, like in my, in my book, like I, I had a couple brothers like upset that the word nigger's in there because I was gonna fuck some, I was gonna fuck some Spanish broad and she said nigger. And I was, I was torn because right. it was, I, my my kids half black, you know what I mean? Like mm. so, it's like, uh, and I have this dialogue in my head about what I'm gonna do. Like people were mad that one, I end up fucking with her, and then two, that I wrote about it. Like right. it's like, like it happened. Right. You know what I mean? Like this right. is this is what happened. I'm not gonna say, and yo, I want to say that word because. It fucking hits. Yeah. Like it hits you in your gut. You get a you right. get a visceral feeling from it. Like I don't want to I want you to feel when you're reading, so you may feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Like I'm not gonna N-word it so so that you can feel uh feel good. Like no, she, she didn't say N-word. Right. And also I mean, you know, Louis C.K.'s thing on that. I, I don't know if we're still allowed to talk about Louis C.K. or he's, <laughs> no, he's the L word. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> but he had that whole thing where he's like, you know, don't say the N word, because then you just made me say nigger in my head. Yes. Like, if you want to say it, say it. You know, I take agree. responsibility for it. But to say the N word, that the, what is that? The, and the C word, and the, like, what happens when we run out of letters? Yeah. You know, what is the C word? Is it cock or cunt? I'm confused at this point, you know? Yo, that was a crazy thing. Like, with cunt, like, I didn't even know that was, that's, that's really, uh, where I'm from, like, cunt wasn't even a big, like, we didn't call anybody cunt, so it wasn't like this the super offensive word where right. I'm from. Like, you don't hear rappers calling chicks cunts. They call them yeah. bitches and hoes. Like, right. we call chicks bitches and hoes if we wanted to, or rat, but never rat. Like, I've never heard of rat. Really? Like, a oh. little rat. Oh. Fucking rat, bitch. You know, like. Huh. I've heard rat, like, you rat on someone. Yeah, like, you call a chick a rat or a fucking scurvy broad or, you know, like. <laughs> No one, <laughs> nobody was like yeah, you that fuck. goes back to the fucking pilgrims yeah, or something. No one was like you fucking <laughs> scurvy. Like yeah, you don't I'm, get enough vitamin C, bitch. <laughs> yeah, straight up. I remember, yo, dude. Like I was uh, scurvy. I'm gonna change the story up a little bit, but I was at a fancy party and it was like they were having a debate over over Bill Maher saying that shit. Yeah, and. As we're having this debate at this fancy party, we're like in there with like a convicted, like fucking killer or some shit. Like in the, somebody that did some really heavy shit and they're eating, they're eating fucking, they're eating, you know, bacon wrapped dates next to this dude discussing whether or not you can say a fucking word. Right. And I'm like, what's going on, dude? Like, where's our moral compasses here? You're yeah. mad about words, but yet you got somebody that, like, yeah, is a convicted criminal right next to you that, you yeah. know. Yeah, it reminds me of this story. I don't know if it's a direct connection or but it reminds me of this story I read years ago. Uh, it's this Indian story from India about the, so this, there was this, this was way back in the day, right? It's like a fable, way back in the day, everyone's going around uh, barefoot. Yeah. And the, the Maharaja, this you know, really rich king, goes for a walk and he steps on a sharp stone and he hurts his foot. And he gets back to the palace and he calls in his engineers and he says, I hurt my foot. Nothing, that should never happen. I want you to cover the war, all the streets in leather so that no one will hurt their feet anymore. <laughs> and the yeah. engineers 
years. You're like, oh, fuck, really? How are we going to calculate how many cows they have to kill and all this shit? And it's like, that's never going to work. And someone comes up with the idea, wait, we could just cover feet with leather. Right. Solve the problem. Done. So all this language shit makes me think of that. It's like these people want to go out and eliminate these words from the world, like cover the world with some cushion so that they won't ever get hurt instead of toughen up their fucking feet or wrap their feet in leather. It's you who has to change, you know? It's not about changing the world so you don't get offended. It's a, that's spot on. And you see it more now. It's like, it's it's really generational. Like I've watched like, you know, my cousins, everybody born post 81, as opposed to pre-80s, is we just have a a different mindset. Mm. Our parents kind of were rougher on us. We went out and we problem solved on our own. Like you're in a group with some kids Mm, and like you might be getting the shit beat out of you and you have to figure out how to get this motherfucker off of you. Do I fight him? Do I make him laugh? Do I do I partner with another person over here? There's no telling. Like you yeah. don't go tell. Right. And then you have this you have a whole nother generation where all they do is fucking tell. Yeah. Their parents their parents put fucking foam on every single corner. Yeah. And now we're out in the world. Now I, now I'm subjected to this fucking little asshole. <laughs> This little helmet wearing yeah, dickhead. Yeah. That's fucking, oh, you said this. You said, like, I'm not allowed to go, like, like Christmas got fucking, Christmas got broken up because of, because uh, of a debate over the word retard. Oh, really? Like, I'm not, like, Christmas is, my Christmas is literally split, split up because of that huh. when I go back to Detroit. Yeah. Like, it's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Like, whatever, man. I, I'm not going to, uh. I'm not going to stop saying words. I'm not going to. I'm not going to stop having debates. I'm open to. I'm open to somebody challenging my beliefs because either it'll make me stronger in them or it'll make me reevaluate where the fuck I'm coming from. Yeah. But like, yeah. we can't even have that. People take people take discord as disrespect. Yeah. As, as, and to me, it's ultimate respect. Yeah. Like Chris, if you sit here and say some shit I don't agree with, I could either be like, nah. And then when you leave, man, fuck that dude. Right. Or I could be like, help me understand why. I, right. This is what I believe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're just not seeing that that much no more. Yeah, it's weird. You know, I, I live most of my life outside of the U.S. I've just Where been back go? for a year. Uh, well, mostly I've been based in Barcelona, Spain, since 1990. No shit. Yeah, that's that's been my home base. And uh, but I I lived in Europe and South America and all around. And um, so being back in the U.S. is funny because I know the culture, obviously, but um, I have been away so long. There's so much about it that's just weird. Yeah. It's weird, man. It really is weird. And one of the things is the way kids are raised here and this like and the the perception of danger in America. Like we Americans think they're so fucking tough and brave and they're the biggest pussies in the world. And by the way, I got in trouble for using the word pussy, too. Uh, well, because somebody thought it was a sexual uh, insult. This is on the TED Talk? Uh, well, no, or? this this was actually at a party. <laughs> I, I probably was making the same point, and, and this woman was like, is anyone else uncomfortable with the way Chris just used the word pussy? And we got into this whole thing and how it was like insulting, like I was saying vaginas, but actually it's pussy cats. Yeah, it comes from... It's cats. They run into the fucking sofa. And or even, like, like, even if it is a v- fucking vagina. Like, yeah. no one wants to be called a dick either. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, you know. but it's not... Yeah. I, anyway. So, yeah. uh, that that's the thing. And the, the whole kid thing, in Spain, 
Like I always think about this this one walk my my wife and I like to take down around the the harbor in Barcelona. You're walking along this place, thousands of people everywhere. They sell ice cream, and you know it's one of those things. Lots of tourists around and kids running around and all this, and. You're on this like walkway and there's like a 15 foot drop off into the water and there's no fence, there's no sign, there's no caution, watch out, big danger, right, nothing. Right. If your fucking kid falls in, you, you jump in and get, get him. That motherfucker. Yeah, you you got a him. dumb kid, man. Yeah. Straight up. <laughs> it's like, and that's the way it is in Spain because there are no lawyers, right? I mean, there are lawyers, but not that's like here. What, yeah, that's what ruined it for us, lawyers. Oh, the fucking lawsuits. Like everything, yeah. you slip and you're like, oh, it's your fault, you know, that I fucking tripped over my foot. It's lawyers in the news, bro. It's like lawyers in the news. They need a news story. Yeah. Like they fucking, you know, they blow shit out of proportion. Yeah. Like, I remember, yo, dude, in the 80s, I just remember everybody like... Man, it just seemed like everybody was getting kidnapped. You know what I mean? Mm. Like that, all it was was kidnap stories, kidnap, kidnap, kidnap. Yeah. Like you're afraid of fucking carjacking. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's it breeds. It's it's the same thing that sells fucking Chevrolets. You know, they're yeah. selling they're selling Chevys and selling fear at the same fucking time. Yeah, gets your attention. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, this, yeah. This, this can your kid get butt fucked in a van? <laughs> like, watch on Channel Seven later. How to keep your kid from getting butt fucked in a van? Hey, I got a van. Yeah, straight up. Don't be butt fucking them kids. And like the worst part about it, you know who's doing the butt fucking the uncle? You're like, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like yo, keep keep away from Uncle uh, Uncle. Ricky, yeah, that's, that's how yeah. you keep the kid from getting right. butt fucked. Pastor Uncle Ricky. Yeah, straight up, man. Like <laughs> the people that know your kid is the one that's gonna prey on them. It's yeah. not. The, it's not the strangers out there in the world. Yeah. yeah. They, they had some. They had a study. It was like uh, showing like how how like my mother. She went out further than I went. And, oh you know, yeah, like I've seen that on a map. They actually yeah. show the generations how far yes. they, the kids go away from home. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like my old man, he would hop on a train and take the train. Like they would catch a train, like a boxcar train, and hop, it, yeah. hop on that bitch to the other side of town, play all fucking day, yeah. find another train back, yeah. and walk home. Yeah. You and ever then, do that? No, because our my circle was like within a four mile radius. You mm. know what I mean? And it was more BMX. It was like it was bicycles, and we didn't have a we didn't have a train. Track that was working like uh, that. Yeah. He's from like a factory town. I hopped a train. What's that like? It, it's fun, man. It's really cool because because you don't realize like trains, freight, freight trains especially, they go right next to houses. Yeah. You know, so it's like private like you're cruising along people think you know it's just a freight train so they're not they don't close their curtains it's mm -hmm. there's nobody there so you go by and you're like just looking right in their windows and you know see you see everything. people living their lives it's it's really interesting it's like yeah. being invisible that's kind of dope yeah it was a weird thing because i was the i've done it a few times but the first time i was in college and uh, I was in upstate New York in the Finger Lakes, and there's this train that came around the top of uh, Lake uh, Seneca, where I where I was, and um, so I was down there. I I was kind of tripping. I was doing a lot of hallucinogens and, and uh, psychedelics. I should say psychedelics. I interviewed a dude, and he corrected me, like, Someone don't call them psychedelic yeah. Yeah. hallucinogens, because because you don't really hallucinate is no. the point, you know. And so it's sort of a negative connotation. But anyway, uh, and people laugh at me because I, I get emails from people like, dude, you're still saying hallucinogens. <laughs> I'm trying, people. I'm trying. I'm getting semantical on my man. You know what the fuck he's talking about. 
Yeah, but anyway, so this, I was like down by the lake, I was reading a book, I was probably smoking a joint or something, and this train came along, and, was, and it was really slow, because it was yeah. going around the end of the lake. And I was like, yeah, man, look at that, I could just run along there, I could just, fuck it. And I went yeah. for it, and it was like four in the afternoon or something, I jumped up on there, and there's just this little, uh, platform you know you couldn't get in because it was coal cars right, like, right. and so you just sort of crawl up there and I sat there and it was cruising it was going maybe 15 miles an hour or something yeah. I could jump off whenever I wanted and I was just digging in I figured I'd get to the bottom of the lake and jump off and then hitch up the road right and um, but by the time it got to the it, it was going it was speeding up imperceptibly yeah like, huh yeah. yeah and then it reached a point where it was like uh, Fuck, it's going a little faster. I don't think I'm going to wait for it to slow down a little bit. And it never fucking did. And the sun went down. Are you fucking kidding me? And I was freezing my ass off. And like four hours later, (laughs) it pulls into some town. And there are these dudes with torches and dogs and shit. And I'm like, ah, no. And I I like sneaked out and got under this fence and crawled into this and went into this town. And the town, it was late. I mean, you know, it was like eight or nine. People are done with dinner. And. I didn't have anything. I didn't have any ID. I didn't have any money. This was before cell phones and all this shit. And this is the only time I've ever uh, panhandled. These people came out of a restaurant. I was like, hey, do you guys have any change? I need to make a call. I'm, I'm, a, I'm like, yeah, they gave me some change. And I called my professor, actually. Yeah. And I said, yeah, I think I'm, uh, I'm in Watkins Glen. I hopped this train. And, and he was laughing. He's like, I'll come get you. Where are you in, in Watkins Glen? And, I'm looking around, I'm like, well, I'm outside this restaurant, you know, Luigi's. He's like, Luigi's, never heard of Luigi's. And, and that, you know, ask somebody where you are. And, it, and I, these guys came by and I was like, hey, what part of Watkins Glen is this? And they're like, no, dude, you're in Pennsylvania. This was some town in Pennsylvania. <laughs> so my professor left his house at like 9 p.m., drove all the way to Pennsylvania. That's pick a me fucking up. beast for you, man. Yeah. That's a good ass professor. Yeah, he was cool. He and I. He and I did a lot of uh, psychedelics together. I seduced him. He was, he was a good boy. Did he? What, did you see? A, did you notice the way he taught? Did it change? Yeah, everything changed. He was ready for it, though. I mean, he was. Uh, he he was first in his class at Amherst. Yeah. Went to Yale. Got a PhD. Fucking brilliant dude asshole father right total prick of a father right when he graduated from yale or no when he graduated from amherst first in his class his father arranged for himself to be on stage because he i don't want to give any identifying details but his father was a big time academic as well so he arranged to have himself on stage and he handed my friend who's what 22 you know when he finished handed him an envelope and my friend thought, oh, this is going to be like a beautiful letter from my dad. Oh, my God. He opened it up. It was an itemized bill for everything he had cost. Are you fucking kidding me, dude? Throughout his life. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, you're finished with college. Well, this is, this is what it's cost me to raise you financially. Yeah. What Asshole. a dick, dude. So anyway, when I met this guy, he had just um, received tenure. Right, which means you can never be fired. Right. So you're good. So you're good. He was 34 years old. I was 22. I was tripping my ass off. I was like wearing tie-dye clothes and just totally like, you know, free spirit. 
and we became friends and and i was like dude you know you're you're in the promised land like you should you be yeah. taking drugs and you know d d doing whatever you feel like and he also he was gay and he had never acknowledged it he had, uh. you know so it was like we had this really intimate friendship i'm totally straight but right. but we had a very intimate friendship where he shared things with me and like yeah. and i didn't judge him and you know i'd fucking hug him and we'd cry together and stuff right. and so he could experience intimacy with another man with without freaking out and being right. afraid of it and he didn't get it from his father. He didn't get it from anybody. Yeah. yeah. And and so it was a really beautiful friendship for both of us. Um, and he was my professor, so he, he was like having a private tutor when I was in college. It was great. That's awesome. Yeah, he was great. And I mean, as an example, so that night he came and picked me up, and we're driving back in his, he had this little MG midget sports car convertible. And um, he said, oh, man, I've been listening to this Shostakovich Fifth Symphony. It's amazing. You want to hear? And I was like, yeah. So he drove up on this hill, and he stopped, and it was this beautiful, like, the moon was there, and we were overlooking, you know, this lake and these lights, and we listened to the entire symphony. And it's an amazing symphony. And uh, every time I hear it, boom, I'm boom. back. I'm right there, there, you know. Isn't that awesome? It was a really beautiful, beautiful night, yeah. Anyway, hopping trains, there you go. But that'll take, that's the thing. It's like being being water, man. Yeah, just flow where it yeah, goes. Yeah, man. Yo, every time cool shit happens, it's like, it's like when I'm water. You know, like you just got to flow with it. You got to go with it. My favorite nights yeah. are like that. It's like, ah, fuck yeah. it, let's go. Okay, all right, fuck it, let's go. Okay, fuck it, let's go. Yeah. Get out of your comfort zone. That's, I mean, I spend most of my life traveling. Yeah. And that's what I love the most about it, where you, you like, at the end of the day, you say, man, when I woke up this morning, I had no, there's no way to predict where yeah. I would be now, you yeah. know, 12 hours later. I didn't even, I met these guys at lunch, and then they were like, hey, you want to go do this thing? And then we do this thing, and yeah. then it's like, wow. Yeah, that's, that's the best. And it's funny, because how... You know, we spend our lives trying to plan shit out and right. protect yeah. against inconvenience. And inconvenience is exactly the richest thing. Yeah. You know? It's really interesting, too. Like, I noticed that, like, it took me forever to leave my comfort zone. Like, uh, you know, it was like your, your neighborhood. And then, mm. you know, like, it was very... A lot of times, like, a lot of times hood dudes are the... And I wouldn't call myself a hood dude all the way. But, like, you know, like, they're... They, we're the most frightened ones, you know. Hmm. You, you know, like you're so, like you're so tough. Put a mother, drop a motherfucker off in a library, and they freak the fuck out. They're like, or, what the fuck? Or the is woods, this? bro. Yo, drop him. Yeah, <laughs> drop a motherfucker off in the woods. It's a right. It's funny. I was doing this. Uh, I was trading. Uh, I was trading. Damn, I'm gonna keep referencing hyena stories. But I was trading. Uh, trading. I couldn't get ketamine anymore. So I was like, what's the next thing that's in the same food group as it? And it was PCP. So like I was trading this South Central cat mushrooms, which I can get easily, which is hard for him. And he can get PCP easily. So I, mm. we were trading PCP for mushrooms. And I was like, man, fucking go out in the woods and just fucking reconnect to nature. Enjoy that shit. Like, it's good for you. He looked at me like I was fucking crazy. <laughs> and he told yeah. me to fucking, like, yeah. dose a chick with PCP and don't tell her and then fuck the shit out of her. And I'm looking at him like, are you fucking crazy? Like, are yeah. you, like it was funny. Just uh, our, our ideas, our realities were totally different. Yeah. But, yo, nature's good for you, man. That's where we're from. We're yeah. from we're from the earth, man. Yeah. So yeah, we've we're pretty far away at this point, dude. I was uh, I was I, 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 yeah. It's like the 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 more people around you, the less human you you are. Mm. You know, 
That's an interesting thought. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. look at us. We're surrounded by people out here, and we're, like, we're this is we're this is probably the furthest away from the human experience. You can you walk in concrete. You can go. I can go all day and not walk on dirt. Yeah. You know what I mean? Think about that. Yeah. Like that's where we're from. We're from the earth. This concrete shit is brand new. Yeah. You ever heard of Dunbar's number? No. So this guy named Robin Dunbar is a evolutionary biologist, and he he was looking at how the the brain, uh, the prefrontal cortex, right, uh-huh. which is sort of like the more evolved and most recent part of the brain, how that um, corresponds to the social group of different primates. So like the baboon has a certain uh, ratio of prefrontal cortex to the rest of the brain and their social groups are about 40 individuals. And then you get chimpanzees and it's a different ratio. And So he was sort of doing this with different primates and he found that just by looking at their brain, he could predict with high accuracy how big the social group of that primate species was. So what should ours be? 150. So he looks at ours and he says, okay, based on our brain, we're capable of keeping track of about 150 relationships. Yeah. Beyond that, it just becomes abstractions. Yeah. Right? So then you look at hunter-gatherers. Hunter-gatherer groups are never bigger than 150 people. Right. When they got, even if the environment had enough food to support that many people, when it got to be about that size, they would split into other groups. Yeah. And... Um, so, you know, when you said the more people are around us, the less human we are, I think you could really argue that using Dunbar's number, because when the social groups are more than 150 people, we're not relating to other people like human beings. No. We're relating to them as abstractions. Yes. So I don't give a fuck. You know, cut, cut money for child welfare programs. I don't yeah. care. I don't know any of those kids. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. They're not even really kids to me. It's just a budget item. It's you know? a number, dude. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah. They're a fucking, they're, yeah. they're a digit. They're not even a person. So, yeah, so I think you make a good point there. So let, let's get, I mean, we've been talking almost an hour, and I don't even know who the fuck you are, man. We're Jude. <laughs> here in my house. <laughs> you're Jude. You're, you've had this radio show for 15 years. Yeah. And what's it called? It's called The All Out Show. The All Out Show. And uh, it's I, a talk show? Yeah, I started off on Trash TV, man. I started off on Jenny Jones. Right. And that's where I got my start. Like, How like, did you get on that show? Bro, man, like, uh, I, I, I went on as a joke. I went on as a fluke. I, I had two friends that they did, they used to do these shows. It was like, I used to be ugly, now I'm pretty. I want to confront the person that was mean to me when I was ugly. And two girls uh-huh. sent in before and after pictures. Only one got picked because they felt the other one wasn't pretty enough or some shit. And I remember being in her apartment and she's like man i got picked for jenny jones but you know i don't want to go by myself and i was like i just say i made fun of you and that's how it started i went on as a fluke and we grew up poor but we are cultured uh you know we're in the libraries museums all that shit so my family's like what the fuck are you doing like you do not go on this is trash tv i'm like fuck you you where the fuck you been you know like can't tell me what to do uh which is dope Sidebar shit, Chris, I think what a lot of, like, even like your homeboy, the professor, he, he got this support, financial support from his father. And in a way, a lot of times you are, you owe them. You, you, you see all these people that are living their parents' dreams for them. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't get any of that support 
but what I got in exchange was freedom. Right. I don't. I look at my parents. I'm like, I love y'all, but I don't. I don't owe you, motherfuckers, shit. Right. I love you. Thank you for life. Thank you for loving me. But I don't owe you fucking thing. I'm. I'm a man. I'm gonna do what I want to do. So right. I went off and did that, and it just it kind of snowballed into me doing show after show. I was a white dude that was able to do urban hum- black humor hmm. in a very fucking natural way because that's what that's what I came up like. That's where I, that's what I came up doing. That's where I'm from. Right. Um. And it kind of snowballed. I couldn't. I wasn't making any money doing it. I was. Uh, I was. I'd wipe, I was. Uh, I worked at a strip club. I wiped down you, the poles. You doing stand up? No, dude. I was just. They would just fly me out to clown on people and then fly me back. Uh-huh. They throw me three hundred bucks. I boost the ratings by a million. I get three hundred bucks. <laughs> like there you go. There you go, little fuck, little fuck right. boy. Get the fuck out of here. Right. So. And I go back to my hole. I'd, uh, you know, I was a rent-a-cop. I worked in factories, midnight shift. I do fucking wiping the poles down. I do whatever shit job. This is in Pontiac. This is all all around Metro Detroit, Detroit. Right. Um, and my like my final job was I was a I was a bathroom attendant at the gay bar. So I would literally go do Jenny Jones clown, sign autographs for people, get back on my Southwest Airlines flight, fly back an hour and go work in the bathroom. Like, it was just really crazy. So I was like, I gotta get the fuck out of here. I, ca- I came out here to to uh, LA, and it was right after 9-11. Hmm. Like, and motherfuckers turned bitch after 9-11, man. We got real soft. Like, they got, cats got real tender. Uh, I had all these meetings set up, like, cause I had a bit of, I had a bit of, like, steam behind me, and they were like, we can't, we can't use your humor anymore. So it's a little too harsh right now. It's a little we're we're a little tender right now. We're a little hurt. Right. So, so now I'm out here in L.A. and my fucking one yeah. like right. one like it was trash TV. So the people making decisions never watched me. And then yeah. two fucking uh, Mike's humor was just way too aggressive. And then it's like, what do you do? You pivot, you pivot, you pivot. I was washing dishes and and working at a at a at a fucking raw foods place. It was a chef, a raw foods chef, and uh, end up hearing about Shade Forty Five. And uh, Eminem used to watch me on Jenny Jones. Cause you're he's from that part of the country. Yeah, it was like look, man. Yeah, it was like every time I got picked, it was never been by a boss. It's always been by like someone that is from where I'm from and then right. they're like, oh yeah, I fuck with this dude. Right. So they gave me, you know, they gave me a shot and my my tryout was, my tryout to get on radio, was, there was like a fucking Italian actor show with like Big Pussy and all these, all these guys that played bit part or like peripheral roles in mobster movies. Right. And they would sit around and just chop it up and they're like, let's see if, if he can do this, he'll get the job. <laughs> Motherfucker, I'm Italian. Like this is like, like this ain't shit. Right. Like you basically just sent me to family dinner. Right, so like, right. I get in there, fucking do my thing, get the job. And years into it, I'm I'm realizing that like, like serious is cool. It's a great paycheck, but if you're not making a brand for yourself outside of serious, then you're not getting raises inside of serious. Mm. It's not about content. It's about brand recognition to them. Mm. And I also look, took a hard look at myself. I'm like, yo, I, I know how I'm viewed. I'm viewed as a wigger. Hmm. I'm viewed as a wigger shock jock. Wigger is white nigger, I think. Yeah, that's right. Like, and it's not nothing I call myself, but literally, like, I just, I just had girls over at my house a fucking week ago in some Berkeley broad. 
called me a fucking wigger in my own crib. Like that's, I never heard that term until I heard heard you say it this morning yeah. when I was watching a YouTube thing. Yeah, and huh. so like that's how I'm viewed, and so I was like, I don't want to be viewed like that anymore. I don't want to be viewed as a shock jock. I don't want to be viewed as a fucking wigger or a, a cultural appropriationist or whatever the fuck they want to call me. And I was like, who gets respect? Authors. It's like I'll just write. I'll just start writing. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, bro. I was like, I need some respect. Thank God you didn't think brain surgeon. Yeah. Come on up here. Yeah, I just fucking, I got this butter knife and a good attitude. Yeah. Here's some rubbing alcohol. We'll put that on Take you. Take an aspirin. You're going to be fine. I got this OxyConnect. <laughs> Snort this. We'll fucking straighten you out like that. And the thing was, is like, I'm not fucking, you know, uh, I, I didn't go to school, so. I'm not, I'm not educated as they say, I'm, I, I'm not, I'm, I didn't go to school, I'm not educated. And like high school? I got out of high school, yeah, but right. that was it. And I, right. I did a couple community, community college classes. My grandparents really thought it was important that I continue my education, um, but I, I didn't do much with that. Um, and I was, I was extremely, I was extremely uh, just fucking insecure about like, like yo dude, like, I don't know if you know this, but people that don't go to school look at people that go to school a lot of times like, damn, they went to school. Like, I value your opinion. Right. Like, it's, it's like that BBC shit. You know what I mean? Like, they got the British <laughs> accent. I'm like, whatever they're saying is the truth. Like, damn, bro. Like, the motherfuckers. British and the motherfuckers. So it's like yeah, that same yeah, deal, you know? Yeah. So I was like, I can't, man. Like, I, you know, I'm not... I'm not educated like these cats, but what I have is a voice that I earned. Like, I earned a voice. Yeah. And it's it was just then it was figuring out how to put your voice on paper. That's that's it. You're right. That's that's the key. And in fact, education, especially for writers, I think, uh, interferes with the ability to get that voice. It's detrimental. And the yeah. crazy shit is like I want to go, I want to I want to go talk to colleges about writing, but. What I'll be telling them is like, yo, dude, drop out. Fucking don't listen to these motherfuckers because <laughs> exactly. you guys are being indoctrinated with the same fucking views yeah. in the same style. Well, it's like what you said about family. Uh, you know, if you don't get certain kinds of uh, support, what you get in exchange for that is freedom. Right. And it's the same thing with writing. Yes. You know, you go to writing school, what you're losing is your freedom. Yeah. And probably your voice, because it's getting buried under the voice of Hemingway and, you know, whoever else you're studying and your professor who's a failed writer, which is why he's teaching in a fucking writing school. You know, yeah. I, mean, I mean, yeah. To be brutally honest, I mean, if you're, if, but, but making a living writing is next to impossible. I'm not so, making a living. So I don't yeah. blame anybody yeah. for... It's know. tough. Yeah. yeah. I'm not making a living. I couldn't I couldn't no. afford to pay rent yeah. off of what my book sells. And my book, I, I ain't got optioned by HBO. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, um, So it's not like it wasn't successful, but right. like, you know, you yeah. get a buck, of, like a non-hardcover, you get a buck 13 a book or something right. ridiculous yeah. like that. You got to sell a million and people, nobody buys. Yeah, people see Sex at Dawn, New York Times bestseller, they think I'm loaded. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's, you know, uh, you get, and you uh, get your money off of fucking speaking engagements. Like, that's yeah. where, like, that's, I don't know about you, but like, yeah. that's where, you, that's where, like, you write the book and the book is the key to open up doors right. to right. other things. That's it, yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. this is my fucking calling card. Right. Yeah. So it's just about like, and what I'm what I'm trying to do with these with the net with these two books are like one get 
blue collar motherfuckers reading again. Mm. Because back in the day, cats read more. You just had less options. Like you had less options. Yeah. You didn't have the internet to go fuck off on. There's only right. three goddamn uh, television channels, channels. Yeah. and they stop at midnight. Yeah, so like y you would see more. I think there was a higher. Um, there was more literacy back in the day than there is now. It, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't have any of the statistics or well, anything like you're that. You're right. You're but, right. A bestseller in the '70s, you were a millionaire. Yeah. A bestseller because now. more people read. Yes, the, the audience was much bigger. Yeah, yeah, and and now the audience is so small. You can have a bestseller and, and end up making twenty grand from a book. It's nothing. Yeah, and isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's like it, it, like I really wanted a New York Times bestseller because you want to be fucking you you know like that's the cosign you know like that's yeah. that cosign yeah. you want it so I wanted it so bad and. I, I'll never get it. You know what I mean? Like, I won't get it. Um, well, you, you could. You maybe. could. I mean, you know, a lot of it is when the book's released. I know. And our book was a New York Times bestseller for three or four weeks, but it was August. And the book came out in June, and Dan Savage... Uh, bless his heart, man. He pushed it on his podcast. He pushed it in his column. He had me on. He like really helped, and it took a couple of months for that to build. Really, the f the problem was that the publisher only published five thousand copies, they, and they were they, sold out. They didn't, yeah. They, and they didn't listen to me. I mean, they, they, I don't want to. I went through the same it. shit. They're bro. fucking I, horrible. Yeah, I went through the same shit because well, you have a big ass audience. I saw you have like a hundred and some thousand followers on fucking Instagram. You got a lot of people listening to you, dude. I sold out in four days, and then I couldn't get them to reorder. The, they wouldn't reorder. What is wrong with publishers? They, I, the, you know, it's it was it was the publishers. We printed thirty thousand copies. All right, we're like, okay, let's get ready. Let's let's push these copies. Right. But it was the distributor was having a hard time getting Amazon and Barnes and Noble and everybody to fucking re up. They're like, well, he, he blew his load. I'm like, it's been four days. Give me a fucking break. So for the first two weeks that it was out, so the it was only you you could only get it for the first four days out of. Because it was sold 14 out. 14 days, yeah. But that's, I mean, that's what I don't understand about publishing. That's what they want. They want an author with a platform so they'll sell books. Yeah. But then they don't want to order the books. It's a, it's, it's a I nightmare. Don't I feel like if someone had like a, a bit of a platform and a business, some business acumen, they could really shake up the publishing world. It's like, ready to fall, yeah. Because it used to be, uh, like we're talking about in the 70s, you would get like a, a serious advance yep. to live on while mm -hmm. you worked on your books. They would, th they would give you like a three or four book deal because yep. they figured you're not going to sell the first three books, but we think the third or fourth book is going to hit because yep. you got talent. It's yep. going to take a while. So you get this long term deal. You get launch parties. You get national mm -hmm. book tours. You get all this publicity support, all this stuff. Now, fuck it. You better have your own platform. You, yep. They expect you to do your own editing in many cases. I did. Yep. Yeah, right. You get to hire your own publicist, sell same. the books yourself. Same. And it's the same contract they were signing in the 70s. Yeah. So we're doing all this work now that yeah. they used to do, uh -huh. but we're getting the same percentage. What the fuck is that? And it's eight and a half percent or eight and a quarter percent of paperbacks. And that's, well, that's what? what that's, Hookers keep half their money. I know, bro. I know. I know. It's the craziest shit. It's a uh, that. Was, and the funny thing with the uh, hyena was successful, and then when I went back out with Hummingbird, nobody wanted to pick it up. Nobody wanted it. Why? I. It just like it was just uh, 
I don't know, maybe like I thought the writing guy actually got better. Yeah. Uh, but and you were success. I mean, from I them, a, all they're looking at is, are you successful? Did you sell books? And you did, so, and it was option. That's even better. Yeah. So like, okay, so Simon and Schuster pass, and then we go around to smaller boutique company or agents or publishers, and they all like, I got one offer, and it was like for, you know, you're getting a a buck a book or some shit, and then he offered me a five thousand dollar advance, and I was. And my agent was like, so what you want to do? I was like, tell him to suck my dick. <laughs> like, my fucking, my last book outsold his publishing company. Like, right. fuck him, dude. Like, tell him to suck my dick. Because he wanted the answer by the end of the week. Yeah. And my guy was like, my, my agent was like, whoa, 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 don't say that. I'm like, well, tell him whatever. But I'm not, you're not going to fucking, it's not like, yo, here's $100,000. I need an answer by the end of the week. It's right. five grand. I need, like, yo, if I want to go do dirt, I could flip, I can make five grand way right. quicker than fucking, right. than your fucking paltry advance. And then yeah. you get, then you get most of my book too. Yeah. So yeah. I found, I found a publisher that was open minded and they dealt with more sex shit and we did a 50 50 chop. Oh, nice. So now I'm more. It's a invested. nice book too. They they did a good job yeah, for what I saw. Yeah, it's like we printed it in Michigan, which is like ah, a fucking bonus for me. That's like, cool. Putting money back in my community. Right. And it's like I have freedom. The book doesn't have any words on the cover. Who the fuck? Who's what book? What book you see that they do that with? Right, right. That was my idea. It's just the image. Yeah, I was like, I just want a picture of a bird on that bitch. It's a hummingbird. Say what you see, <laughs> hummingbird. So why hummingbird? Why is it called hummingbird? Um, I was sitting right over there on the couch on ketamine, out of my mind on K, and I'm like, what is this, what is this next book gonna be? And I started, I I was like, I started writing again just because it was cathartic. It wasn't because I I don't you know like writing and selling is hard, and I didn't want to do it anymore. And I was like, once high end it was done, I'm done. But like I started writing again because I was going through all this shit, and I'm like in the midst of another ketamine bender, and I'm like, what is the name of this book gonna be? And it hit me, it's gonna be called Hummingbird, and hummingbirds are the I like these magical creatures in so many different, so many different cultures. Like the hummingbird is like this magical thing, and they are kind of magical. And then I was thinking too, though, I was like, man, they work really hard to stay in the same place. <laughs> man, they bust ass just to fucking float. You know what yeah, I mean? Like they're busting yeah. ass just to float and just to eat. And I'm like, that's kind of like being an adult. Uh-huh. Or that's kind of like living with depression. It's uh-huh. like you are busting ass to get out of your bed. You right. gotta make sure you got to make sure like all these things are lined up right. so that you can get out of bed tomorrow. Right. And um, that's kind of what I related to. So it was, it's like the play on like finding joy through the stagnation and fighting stagnation and finding joy and accepting the stagnation and finding joy within it. You know, it's all this, and, that, and that's what, and that's what I, and then I, and then I came right over here and sat down and wrote a piece about uh, my, the Italian, my Italian grandparents and how they became addicted to gambling and how it destroyed their health and then how it killed my my nanny, the one, the my grandmother, and then how my Nunu ended up fucking uh, isolated down in Florida, and uh, tripped and fell, and he broke his neck on on a, a car battery because he was trying to fix a car, and it was, and that was the, that was going to be the tone, like it's funny and shit, and it's interesting, and it's you know it's a little bit of everything, but the tone needed to be something different than a, a hyena. It couldn't be hyena too. Like it needed to, it needed to continue, and I was fucking frightened to drop this book, bro. Mm. 
because it's like, yo, man, like I wrote it for the hood. The hood, I wrote Hyena for the hood. The hood bought it. Like, and the, I knew what I was giving them. It was wild sex stories. There was some, there was heart, but it was like sex and drugs and heart. And this one is like less sex and drugs and way more emotions. And I'm like, they're gonna think I'm a bitch. <laughs> like, it's fucking, you know, this was very popular in jail. My last book was very popular in jail. And I'm thinking like, fuck. These jail guys are gonna think I'm a real fucking lame, but mm. you know, you gotta you gotta just put it out there. But I was fucking petrified to put it out. You got any feedback from that audience? They love it. Yeah, they love it. And what do they say? It's it's real, 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 yeah. real, real, real. Real is the you That's know. It. Yeah. And a lot of cats are like, "Yo, dude, like I've been through that. I've been through the addiction." Right. Or like you know, I talk about uh, I I don't address it. Precisely, but like you know, it's a fucking the non-bullying culture. It's like fucking. It's it's a thing with your fucking wearing the shoes. The Indian thing with the shoes. It's like yeah, bullying sucks, but like stick up for your fucking self. Mm. So I wanted to write stories about like sticking up for yourself or getting beat up on, and they're embarrassing. Like I'm writing these embarrassing stories where I'm going out like a bitch. Right. Like that's embarrassing to write about. Right. Like that shit haunts me to this, I'm 40 and I'm still not proud of those moments. And yeah, you can fucking reason them away, but it doesn't change that you went out like a bitch in that fucking moment. Mm. And I want people to, I want to encourage people to stop waiting for somebody to save them. Right. You have to save yourself. Like as an adult, you will have to save yourself. Let's say like, Let's say in the in the let's say everything you fear is true. The system is corrupt. It's out to get you. It's out to fucking marginalize you. You think like by protesting it's gonna stop? Like no, dude. Fucking clean your room. Make sure that you tighten your shit up. Cause if at the worst case everything is against you, you still have to tighten your shit up and go get it. Yeah or fucking die, or shut the fuck up and <laughs> quit complaining and lose. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. just lose silently over there. Yeah. yeah. And I just wanted people to fucking, like, it, to me, it's it's the boss up shit. It's just boss the fuck up and go get it, man. Mm. Like, go get it. You think we're further from that kind of mentality now than we have been in this we, country? This is the furthest we've ever been from I that mentality. Right. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's scary, it's like, you like, you are responsible for me feeling safe. Like, who the fuck? What? Yeah. Like, no. Yeah, it's never gonna work. It's not gonna work. And and and, you know, this tyranny is is coming in the cloak of being nice. Oh, go! You have to be nice. Yeah. I don't have to be nice. I'm not gonna like you. Yeah. No one's gotta like me. Yeah. You just can't stop me from getting a job based on my fucking dick, you know what I mean? Or yeah. skin color or whatever, you know, like. I remember when I was a kid, I, my mother, when I was like, you know, 12, 13 or something, I got real depressed. And uh, well, and I, I use that word in a non-clinical sense. I know you, you deal with depression. Well, everybody, I think it. everybody does, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I heard your thing this morning, I was listening to an interview with you and you said something about you said something about the battle battle with depression, and then you're like, fuck, I hate that phrase, you know? Yeah. And I, I respected that, that you're like, okay, you're in it, but you're still like, yeah, it's not a fucking battle. Everybody's yeah. dealing with it. Yeah. Everybody's got sadness. It's, called, like, it's like saying the battle with life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Life is suffering, dude. Right. Yeah. Well, it's suffering and coming. 
That's that's what I, yeah. That's what I mean. Like life is life is life is a million different emotions. Yeah. It's all these emotions. Yeah. It's not. Right, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you no, off. No, no, that's that's good. Uh, but I just I just wanted to add that you know because I did respect that. And anyway, so I was like you know I'm 12, 13, and I'm just getting the sense that like how fucked the world is. Yeah. You know, like the, well, the first thing I really learned was how badly we fucked over the Native Americans. Right. That was so from I a young read age. Trail of Tears. You ever read that fucking? Yeah. yeah. I buried read my heart at wounded yeah. knee. I mean, I read all those books and it was like oh i'm i'm the nazi i'm 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 on the wrong side of this you know like so i had a lot of guilt and shame and and anger and all that and i remember trying to talk to my mother about it and you know and i don't mean to blame her it was just beyond her realm of of awareness but i remember her saying to me okay okay but can't you still be pleasant Yeah, and you know, I think about young people now coming of age now and looking around. I'm like, oh, like it's all ending. It's fucking, we're about to be bombed. I think yeah. the NSA has had enough of this. <laughs> enough. No, don't worry. It'll yeah. it'll go. Yeah. Get more water. While, you want more water while this fucking chopper is going? No, I'm good. I'm good. But you know, people coming of age now and they're. You know, for me, it was about history and, you know, to some extent, the present. But, uh, but I mean, people now, like, what the hell are they thinking? Like, you know, the Antarctic ice shelf is sloughing off. The, yeah. You know, hurricanes. Last year, there was a, hur- uh, a Category 6 hurricane. The scale only goes up to 5. That's I mean, nuts. it's fucking It's crazy. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I think this developing a healthy relationship with sadness and grief and uh, you know anguish yeah. is important because we're not going to avoid it by refusing to talk about it. Yeah, and that's and I think I think you're right. Like people feel like they have the right to being happy. It's like yeah, you have the right to fucking being alive, and then yeah. everything else is just fucking bonus. You know what I mean? Like trying to be happy is a, is a fool's errand anyway. You know, I, I was listening to this thing with Tom Minchin. You know, who he is Mm-mm. he's a singer, really comedian singer, really interesting guy. And he was given a, a commencement address, and he said. He said, don't worry about being happy. Don't try to be happy. Happiness is like an orgasm. If you think about it, you ruin it. Right. You know, just experience it and be happy. You know, enjoy it while it lasts. But don't, the minute you start thinking about it, you're out of it. You're not experiencing it anymore. Yeah, it's very, it is, that's, it's kind of like when, I don't know, like sometimes when you're on ecstasy, you're like, this is awesome. And then you know it's going to end and then you feel sad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You're like, fuck. I just ruined it. Yeah. 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 I was talking to my homegirl about that and she was like, you know, she, she's got all these opportunities, but she, you know, she, you know, she's just depressed. She's melancholy. And I was like, look, man, like the sooner you come to terms with your melancholy and understand that that's your baseline, right. the happier you can become because right. there's no judgment attached to your fucking mouth. Mel- like, like, yeah, all right, this is me. This is where I'm at. And I can work from here instead of like, why am I not? Why am I? Well, because that's not your chemical right. makeup. Dude. How come I'm not taller? Yeah, exactly. How come I'm not better looking? Jeez, you know, like, well, you're not. So just like, yeah, yeah, just <laughs> get over it. Yeah, you live your life and you do yeah. your best, and and you try to you try to create more things. You know, you just tr- you try to create. I think we're here to create, dude. Like we're here to be create creative, and. It's, and whether that's fucking, you know, everyone's got their own gift. 
and I think we all need to look at it, and it doesn't need to be a profession, but like uh, we're here to make shit. We're here to be creative, not to just consume. Hmm. That's anti-American right there. Yeah. <laughs> we, we're supposed to consume. Listen, I've taken oh, up over an sorry, hour of your time. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I feel like we barely scratched the surface, though. There's so much I wanted to talk to you about. And, you yeah. know, sorry, bro. Instead, I told fucking train stories. I thought it was a good story. And look, man, I'll, I'll talk as long as you want. But uh, no, you, this has been great. I appreciate you coming through, coming yeah. through to the house. And it's really fortuitous to have my you know it's I, I hope i hope you come on our on on my show and talk, yeah, about the, and talk about your book sex at yeah, dawn because i've yeah. been wanting to have you on because I, I love this idea um yeah i thank you for having me sir <laughs> thanks for coming to the crib <laughs> getting all formal here at the yeah, end and that was that that was it and it's over thank you for hanging out uh if you'd like to support the podcast and our financially able go to patreon.com and search for tangentially speaking you enter your credit card tell them you want to give me a buck five bucks 20 bucks 30 bucks 50 bucks 200 bucks and then they'll just automatically ding your credit card and you don't have to think about it again uh if you don't have uh the money to do that that's fine don't worry about it tell your friends about the podcast write a review on itunes or just enjoy the podcast it doesn't matter i want to thank basin and range for that intro music the song's called bright side of the sun and you can check them out at basinandrangeband.com. If you want to talk about the podcast, you can go to Reddit, where there are a few thousand people chatting about the podcast. Uh, I drop in and answer questions, post photos, uh, whatever. Pretty cool community there. Another forum where you can meet fellow listeners to this podcast is at t eight. No, sorry, tspeaking.boardhost.com. This has been set up by a listener to enable people to um, register and uh, their different states and countries so you can find people who live near you, get together, have a beer, smoke a bowl, eat some mushrooms, dance under the moonlight, however you celebrate these things. You'll find uh, like-minded spirits on that. It's Again, it's tspeaking.boardhost.com. Dot com. And uh, if you want to get some T-shirts, we have the Civilized to Death shirts, Sex at Dawn shirts, Tangentially Speaking shirts. They're all in my mom's garage. She will get them out to you in a jiffy. Julie, my mom, is one of the most efficient people you will ever meet. So you can find those on my website. That Chris Ryan, ChrisRyanPhD.com, TangentiallySpeaking.com, whatever. You'll find them. Just look in the store there. If you want to buy some other T-shirts from the same manufacturer, that Shore Design T-shirt shirts they are fantastic i know i say this is an ad free podcast uh and this could be construed as an ad but sure design t-shirts have been supporting this podcast since its inception bennett who was the dude there decided he was going to support the podcast he sent me a bunch of shirts uh at an extreme discount to uh, help us out since bennett died the people who took over sure design t-shirts.com uh have decided to continue giving us the same deal that bennett gave us so be sure to use the discount code CTD, as in civilized to death, when you order anything from them and you'll get 20% 
20% 20 off your entire order. That's the discount code CTD, and that's at SureDesignTShirts.com. Thank you to Carsey Blanton for the song you're about to hear. You can check her out at CarseyBlanton.com. She performed this little ditty, especially for us. Sounds like she was sitting in her garage. You can hear the birds chirping. The song is called Smoke Alarm, and it's a reminder to live now because you're going to die one day. This is for you guys, Bennett and Justin. Miss you. He said, baby, what's a big deal? Feel what you want to feel. Say what you want to say. You're going to die one day. For example, I could kiss you just because I want to. What's the difference if you turn away? I'm gonna die one day. Why do you waste your time thinking about your reputation? Trying to meet an expectation, wondering what they're gonna say. to the ground. 